And hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am joined today by Professor Rob Briner of Queen Mary University of London. How are things going for you, Rob? Great. Thank you very much, Ben. Thank you very much also for having me uh, on your podcast. Well, thanks for being here. You're somebody that I have been following on social media for quite a while and someone whose thoughts I admire. And one of the topics that you share an awful lot about is this idea of evidence-based practice, evidence-based management and evidence-based IO psychology, and that caught my attention. So I guess my first question for you is, isn't all IO psychology evidence-based? Isn't that kind of the point of what we're doing? Well, that's a great question. Of course, that's what many people assume, and I'd also say some people in HR assume that as well, but it's quite a strong assumption amongst IO psychologists. So it's certainly the case that, of course, IO psychologists use evidence, but everybody uses evidence. And I think a key thing to get across is evidence-based practice is, doesn't mean, oh, I used some evidence or I saw a meta-analysis. It actually means a particular kind of approach both to understanding a problem or issue or opportunity and also potential solutions. So, yes, it's true that IO psychologists have access to a lot of scientific evidence, for example, but that is not the same thing as being an evidence-based practitioner. Okay. So I like what you said at the very beginning of that, which is that everybody says that what they're doing is evidence-based. So if I have somebody who's using you know, some wacky personality typing um, quiz, you know, they're going to say that they have evidence that it works based on their personal experience. They've used it before and it makes sense to them or learning styles is another example. Completely. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So so I think there's a real danger in sort of saying I am evidence-based. I'm not evidence-based. This practice is evidence-based. This practice isn't because every, you you know, as we're saying, everyone's got some evidence of some kind and indeed even things that might seem wacky, to one person, another person says, well, actually, I, I did a study and it's really good. Okay, that's great. You did a study. Was it a good study? And that's one of the hallmarks, I think, of evidence-based practice. It's about critically evaluating the quality of the evidence we've got from different sources as well. What kind of evidence are we talking about when we use the phrase, you know, evidence-based whatever, management, IO, psychology? What do we mean by that? Well, when people talk about evidence-based practice, and it's worth mentioning this is a a way of thinking about how to practice and doing practice that's been around for at least 30 years, and it goes across many different disciplines, including medicine, social work, education, etc. So for us in IO psychology, uh, the four sources of evidence we typically use are organizational data. So you might get that through kind of analytics, I guess, and other forms of organizational data. The second source of evidence is your own expertise as a practitioner. The third source of evidence is the values and concerns of stakeholders in the organization. And I guess that would be individual employees, managers, maybe customers and clients. And the fourth source is scientific evidence. So for us in psychology, the point is to try and gather evidence from each of those four sources, both to kind of identify a problem opportunity uh, and also to think about potential solutions or interventions. And typically, I think psychologists use some of these or some maybe all of them to some extent uh, but often maybe rely quite a lot for example on the scientific literature and also quite a lot on organizational data but a key difference between evidence-based practice or just using evidence in general uh, and evidence-based practice is that it's about critically appraising the quality of that evidence so essentially it's about using the best available evidence from multiple sources and this is something I think 
many practitioners, including IO psychologists, are maybe not great at doing, and we are certainly not trained in how to do it, and that's to judge the quality of information. So even something like a a meta-analysis of hundreds of studies, it doesn't mean it's good quality scientific evidence. It may be, it may not be, but we need to really drill down into a bit to say, is this piece of research actually valid and reliable and trustworthy, as we do for any other piece of research. Okay, so that helps clarify, I think, what is meant by you know, evidence-based practice. And, and I think that when I think about the word evidence, I tend to think of that fourth source, which is you know, the scientific evidence, the peer-reviewed evidence. And when I think of what IO psychologists bring to whatever you know, their, their situation is, that that's probably their, their area of strength. That's what they're relying on most. As a practitioner, on the other hand, you know, I, I can't say that most or much of what I do is based on that because there just isn't enough of it there in, in too many areas that I work in. That's right. Yes. And again, a key thing is it doesn't mean you shouldn't look at it. So get another principle of evidence-based practice. It's just about looking across those four areas to try and gather the evidence and information you can. And it may be there's a lot of evidence. There may be very little evidence. It may be really high quality. It may be quite poor quality. But the point is to go through that process. And I completely agree. I think IO psychologists tend to have the sciencey stamp of approval on a lot of their practices. But again, if you look in depth at those practices and the context in which they're used uh, and other aspects of evidence, it doesn't mean they're necessarily a good thing to do in all contexts and across all situations. And that's why it's so important to look at those other sources of evidence. So even if you take something like we might talk about in psychology, like goal setting. So there's a huge amount of evidence that goal setting is effective. However, there's a big it depends. It depends on the task. It depends on the context. It depends on all kinds of other things, which you can only find out by going to an evidence-based practice approach. So even if there is a good quantity of scientific evidence around a particular practice, it doesn't mean it's going to work and be relevant for the context in which you're working. And that's, again, something else I think that sets aside an evidence-based practitioner from someone who just says, I use science and here's a scientific technique. You know, we're, if you look at the, that as sources of evidence, uh, IO psychologists are trained probably more so in the scientific evidence than in the other three sources, but maybe not so much in critically evaluating the entire body of, of, of evidence. So how do we get better at that? Is it a matter of training or is it a matter of experience or both? Are there specific things we ought to be doing to get better at being evidence-based practitioners? Yeah, sure. I think one of the first things is to to be a good evidence-based practitioner, you really need to understand what evidence-based practice entails. So I've described it, it comes from four sources. Uh, there are also, I think, other key differences. So I think, as I mentioned, everybody uses evidence to make decisions, and, and IO psychologists do too. But I think there's three differences important to understand. The first is the approach, the general approach to use of evidence. And typically, that is about being conscientious, being explicit and being judicious, going back to this judging of quality. So again, we all are somewhat conscientious in, I think, gathering evidence and somewhat explicit and somewhat judicious, but it's about trying to do those things, I guess, quite intensively uh, from an evidence-based practice perspective. So getting better at that. The second, I guess, issues around this one we've already touched on is the idea of multiple sources. And that's really for two reasons. Partly is to triangulate and cross-check. Secondly, is to contextualize and make sense and better use of evidence from other sources. So say, going back to the example of scientific evidence, there may be really compelling evidence for a particular IO psychology technique. However, if you look into those meta-analyses, it may be, for example, they've all been done in manufacturing industries between 1990 and 2005 in the Midwest. 
you're in an organization that's a service sector organization in Silicon Valley right now. Is it going to apply in the same way? That's something you'll only know by getting information about the organizational context too. So the first difference is the approach. The second difference is multiple sources. And the third difference is a structured and stepped approach. So within evidence-based practice, and we often recommend six steps. So you ask a question, you acquire the evidence, you critically appraise it, you pull it together, you apply it, and then you assess the outcome of the decision you've taken. So I think that's that's a key way of getting better is to actually understand what evidence-based practice entails as a practitioner. And finally, I think for IO psychology, one of the key challenges we face in being an evidence-based practitioner is that, and you may relate to this, and I'm sure a lot of people listening will relate to this as well, is that quite often we get asked to do things like, can you come and run an assessment center? Can you come and train us in X, Y, or Z? From an evidence-based practice perspective, you never start with an interventional solution. You always start with an analysis of the problem or issue. Again, using exactly the same method of looking across four sources, going through those six steps. So if you're working with clients who are not really interested in diagnosing or understanding whatever the problem might be, but just want you to run an assessment center, then it's quite hard to be evidence-based. Some of our listeners might be looking at that idea of uh, sort of professional judgment as one of the sources of evidence with a bit of a suspicious eye. Isn't professional evidence highly susceptible to the kinds of cognitive biases that we're, we study so much, like confirmation bias, for example? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I think professional expertise is like any other form of evidence in that you have to judge its quality. So then you need to ask, what are the conditions under which people develop expertise in anything? And there's, there's lots of conditions, but I think the three main ones is practice, 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 you know, hundreds and hundreds of times. The second one is that you get fast, accurate feedback about the results of your behavior. The third one is you're in an environment which is relatively stable. So a great example is learning to play a guitar or something. So you have all those conditions in learning to play guitar. The question is, is the problem or, or opportunity you're dealing with one in which you could have acquired expertise? That's the key thing. So for example, if you take something IO psychologists might do, which is to give feedback on a psychometric test, may indeed be the case that they've done that so many times, they've actually learned from experience about how to do it better in various ways. So I think there's some contexts in which your practitioner uh, professional expertise may be useful, but others where it's just impossible for you to have acquired enough expertise for it to really be, or enough experience for it to be reliable. But that's a, that, you're absolutely right. We should treat professional expertise with caution as we, as we should for every other kind of evidence. But, but by doing so, it means we're kind of, I guess, ex exposing some potentially also our own biases. So for example, as you know, people have different preferences for certain kinds of techniques. Some people, for example, really like emotional intelligence. Other people like MBTI. Other people might like another technique. So it's only by really looking at, well, why do I think this is appropriate? What's that based on? Can we start to kind of critically evaluate that? And as you say, maybe check some of the biases we have. 